What's up, everybody? Welcome to, to today's episode of Podmosh. Today, we have Michael McGrew, the owner of Lively IV, the company I keep telling you all about, the mobile IV company that will come to your place whenever you're sick, if you're hungover, if you need allergy medicine, uh, pain medicine, a whole bunch of stuff, uh, sleep medicine, but it's given all through an IV. Um, he explained, before, I don't really need to get fully into that, but he explains all about it at the beginning of the show. But it's funny, what I find is funny is that uh, we went from how he started the company to the ins and outs about it, the science behind some of it, to his experience in, in paramedic, being a paramedic at, uh, with an ambulance and a 911 system, all the way to some of the things we've experienced on the back of the ambulance, the great areas of life. Then we started about death, start talking about death and like death anxiety and how that's rooted into literally everything we do in life. Um, and then we went from that into talking about uh, terror management theory, which uh, it's an interesting concept regarding our observations on death and our worldview. And then it went to like about morality and, and how do we live in a world that is so gray being in the EMS world. And then it went even further. So it was really, really, really interesting. So um, we actually spent about two hours on this podcast, but I cut it down quite a bit. Um, hope you guys enjoy. We got to some crazy, awesome topics. If you have quite like I, this is actually the first time I've uh, opened myself up this much about some of my views regarding religion, uh, morality, a whole bunch of stuff. So um, I'll put myself out there, which is fine. I want to talk more about it. These conversations need to happen. I said that time and time and time again. So if this something offends you, if you have questions, if you want to talk a little bit about what we've talked about today, you know, you can email me, you can message me, whatever is most beneficial to you. I love talking about it. And um, these hard conversations, like these hard conversations, again, are what need to happen more. Y'all check it out. Well, Senior Mike. What's up, buddy? Thanks. <laughs> this is going to be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we should do some kind of disclaimer. This I'm not a professional whatsoever. Anything I say in the foreground. <laughs> no, you, you do you, bro. Like that's that's what I love about like every time we've had a conversation, you've literally just been like saying what you want, and it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what's been so like attractive. I'm not attracted to you. Sure, sure, you know that's okay. Yeah, sure, don't be like said liars before. It's okay. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so so Mr. McGrew. You own a company. Tell me about the company. Ah, so I own Lively IV. My wife and I own it. Uh, it is, and your beautiful wife is right here next to us. Yes, Peyton McGrew. Actually, it's so Bickle. She's too lazy to change the name. It's whatever. What? It's been a year and a half. Hasn't changed. You haven't it. changed the name yet. Yeah. COVID, y'all. Uh, I'm gonna oh. call BS on that. Okay. Oh, by the way, what's the what's the? Can we cuss? Can we look? Do you like to keep care. it chill or what do you like? I mean, who are you? You cuss a lot, right? Oh, yes, I do. I can't stand it. Okay. <laughs> They'd be like, uh, yes, and this uh, turtle. Uh, fuck, I can't stand that. Let's <laughs> do this. What you got to do, bro? I don't care. <laughs> okay. So, Live Live E. Yeah, so Live Live E. Uh, we are located in uh, basically Fort Worth, but we serve all over the place. DFW. Uh, we go for about 50 miles outside of the Metroplex, if you will. Um, it, it's it's kind of a new thing. It's been around for maybe eight years. I believe it started. The in, company uh, or the industry? No, uh, the industry itself. This, okay. this mobile IV hydration. You have either a bunch of uh, paramedics or registered nurses. They're under the um, uh, medical direction of an actual MD, uh, some kind of doctor that's actually doing the medical supervision of everything. And uh, we work off standing protocol. And basically, we're allowed to go out and what's on our protocols. We get to um, help and treat patients in a, in, a, in a way, not like treating like specific any kind of, I don't know, like serious medications whatsoever. These are more vitamins, um, 
vitamins, electrolytes, some some like minor symptom mm-hmm. uh, medications like Toradol, Zofran, and stuff like that. And you told me you gave Toradol, and I was like, hey, that's actually that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So what's hilarious is that um, your company, the things that you give, is what is given to ninety percent of patients. In the ambulance and in the ER, absolutely, yeah. which is so hilarious. Now you're not going to be giving something like you know a dentist in for SVT. No. You're not doing any of that. Oh no, yeah, it's, uh, everything's non-emergent. The, where we kind of where we kind of fit in, like I think it started with like hangovers or something in yeah. in Las Vegas, and it's not it's not much of that anymore. There's a lot of companies around here that still do that, uh, but it's not so much. Uh, yeah, Meter phones, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not so much, you know, full on hangover. This is actually some, you know, pretty irritable or irritating uh, symptoms that you can have have that. This stuff actually kind of helps, and it's it's what again a lot of doctors will give. Now again, we're not we're not saying that he's a doctor that you can do diagnoses. Nope, you're literally just giving some medicine to help yes. make you feel better. Yeah, I'm a paramedic, uh, medical professional in that sense. Um, I we go through, we do the full uh, past medical history, we do all the vital signs, uh, and from there, you know, we can go forth with what my doctor says that we can do. So okay, so on, generally with what your experience, how many years uh, were you a paramedic? Ten years. Okay, so if you could estimate. The amount of like what percentage of calls that you ran did you give the same amount of medicine that you're now giving at Lively IV? Oh gosh, I mean, non emergent stuff constantly, just yeah. to, like minor, I'd say yeah. 80, 80%. Yeah. Everybody calls 911 for everything, right? So, yeah. whether it's a taxi ride or a, t- a tummy ache, mm-hmm. you give a lot of the same medicine that yeah. you would absolutely, yeah. Normal back saline, in normal saline, uh, Zofran, uh, they might have Tordal now, uh, we didn't back then, but do that and i mean just all sorts of stuff you can even get finnergan uh just oh, depends nice. on what's going on you know so that's and i, I want to bring highlight that because that's that's huge you know yeah, <laughs> what you do is almost like a non-emergent ambulance mm-hmm. but you're coming to the to the actual house or wherever they want you could, they could be calling from anywhere and you would go treat them absolutely but you're not giving diagnoses you're just ns right that's do you have lr too uh, we can. Uh, yeah. I just have an S right now. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, docs saying studies on it. There's, it's very, very small percentage of any kind of difference. I think in like the ICU, they do a little bit better on LRs than they do in S. But so if somebody's listening to this and they want to hire you out, why, like, what are some of the indications that might be beneficial for them? So if they're having a tummy ache or if, they, or if they're having chest pain, would you come out for that or would you suggest something else? Absolutely not. No, if you're having chest pain, anything life threatening, 911 immediately, go see your doctor, go to the emergency room. This stuff's more of, uh, just day-to-day allergies you got fatigue um you, you, something that you've been putting up with like bad allergies right now mm-hmm. allergies oh, terrible, right right. we can we can actually help that quite a bit with uh, what uh we do uh so we do vitamin c you can do zinc you can do glutathione we can do magnesium actually what do those uh, do for allergies though so it's a smooth muscle relaxant so any kind of interior like your lungs just filled with smooth muscles you get a lot of a lot of constriction a lot of inflammation uh going on with like you know asthma and stuff like that but mostly allergies uh magnesium actually goes in there and kind of relaxes those muscles so it actually helps you breathe a little bit better opens your sinus uh, cavity up as well don't you give magnesium for uh torsades yep torsades preeclampsia stuff like wait that. so you different, can give different you, magnesium okay yeah so why is it different uh my my mag so on the ambulance it's magnesium sulfate uh and the magnesium we get today oh, what is it it's not citrate uh citrus for poop isn't it yeah citrus for pooping um <laughs> it's a different magnesium it's not as strong it's not they don't do it for torsades or anything like yeah, that yeah. and it's definitely not concentrated whatsoever these are one of the electrolytes that if it's concentrated will like stop your heart kind of or like really slow it down a lot this is completely different so. well you said magnesium was like wait what <laughs> um uh, and it's glutathione glutathione is another antioxidant glutathione is actually an enzyme uh in your liver i uh, learned this the other day i was uh, talking to a uh, hepatologist 
um, they were going that it's one of the uh, further enzymes down that actually helps break alcohol down into like acetate and something else. I'm, Wait, what does? Uh, glutathione. Really? Yeah. Your liver will produce it uh, or it's an enzyme that actually helps do that. So uh, whenever you're like 28 or 30, uh, your kind of functions may start to go down. So we're thinking that's kind of why you start having a worse and worse uh, like hangover reaction, you know, to um... alcohol. Like when it was uh, like I turned 30 and my hangover started lasting uh, like two days. Oh. And uh, yeah, so with the glutathione, they're saying that's not as present as it is in like younger, you know, 21 year olds or something. So that's potentially why we actually have a worse hangover when we're older. It's weird because at age 26, uh, your neuroplasticity is ability to grow more and actually have increased neuroplastic. Uh, I say like the neurons growing and creating new pathways also mm-hmm. stops. Yeah. So after 26, you also your brain development actually doesn't necessarily stop, but it's not like well, what it was even before then. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how both that and the rest of your body's organs do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's cool. So how'd you get into this? Uh, so kind of, you know, here he says a nine one system he can't talk about. And do they, it's a great company, but they just, they will beat you into the dirt. You know, medic wise, all the call Are you in trouble uh, for saying it like this? Uh, okay. Uh, maybe not. No, no, it's a great company. Just in case. Uh, no, like the the call the call volume uh, that he was insane. I mean, in, it's like we're in a twelve hour shift. An average call will take about forty five minutes to yeah. an hour, yeah. and we're doing twelve to thirteen calls mm-hmm. a day of that. So it's your entire shift. Like, Sounds like Arlington. Oh yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> everywhere. Like so many people are moving here, they almost can't keep up. You can talk. I'm not paid. <laughs> you can be. She's like sending messages over to Michael. <laughs> Like you can talk, it's okay. Catch my voice. Catch in the background, that's fine. That's funny. But she's trying to sign them. Like, bro, she's, she's just saying "fuck you." It's all she's like. Why am I reading "fuck you" twenty five times? So call volume got pretty intense. Yeah, absolutely. You were done. I ended up. I think I hurt my back in like fifteen, which I herniated a disc uh, L five to S one. And you can kind of work around it, you know, like uh, just just from working out and kind of building muscles up and doing stretches and stuff like that. It helped for about three years. And then afterwards, I finally had to have surgery Um, Mm. after surgery. It's just it kind of went downhill from there. I wasn't I kind of went back early ish with six months. It doesn't sound early, but they were saying like, no, you shouldn't lift 75 pounds or more or whatever. I was like, okay, I can do this and tried to go do it within the first day. Immediately felt like it slipped again, immediately pulled. Or felt like horrible pulled muscles in your lower back. You get another bariatric call. Yeah, seriously. Seven hundred pound patient. Every time, man, it's killing me. Um, <laughs> it was terrible. I, re- I use that winch on that truck more than more than I want to count. Dude, I hate that thing so much. No, I think about guy. it, but I can't imagine with like an L one. Is it L one to what disc? Uh, L five to S one. L five to S one. Yeah, which is the most common. L one. Yeah, it's it's the mo- it is the most common. I mean, just very very lower back. It's where yeah. I pivot. I got a long torso, short little legs anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, I would look great on a little mo- moped too. It's, you know, it's a little clown car. So, so all that to say, you yeah. you 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 were done. I was and done you you yeah. did a little bit of side work with another company, right? I did. did. Yeah, it's another it's another IV company here in Fort Worth. I kind of uh, learned the ropes of it, and it's it really showed me. You, you, you know, you're still a medic. You're still doing all the uh, all the skills, IV skills, talking to people, do full you know histories and every vitals and all whatever. Oh, so you do like full assessments and stuff on it? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, we we have to know if you have any kind of uh, renal disease, any hepatic stuff or uh anything to go on that's gonna no like i don't i don't treat actual patients i don't see them as yeah you know actual emergent patients or anything like that these are people your normal day-to-day people that just have you know kind of fatigue problems exhaustion if you have migraines you know cold and flu symptoms stuff that's non-emergent stuff that you're not going to die from Mm -hmm. anytime soon but you just can't stand it you know you don't want to go to work with it you don't want to go out and play with it you know it's actually actually kind of nice to come back and 
just have an IV and mm-hmm. get a few vitamins, a little bit of meds, and you know, go on about your. Day. I mean, just just a bag of NS does wonders. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't realize how bad your body actually gets. So, do you know, like, can you break down what NS does and what actually copies inside of our system? Uh, so it's the it's, I know it's the same salinity. It's like so sodium chloride, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost it's not all of the electrolytes that we have in our body. Uh, but it is the same salinity. So our untold or, you know, our body takes it up immediately. We're able to use it immediately. It doesn't uh, fluctuate our electrolytes whatsoever. It's kind of like drinking water. If you drink plain water, like, um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, yeah, distilled water. Thank you. Uh, that'll actually throw your electrolytes off in kind of a bad way. You actually start oh, too start much pulling, of it. Yeah. It'll start pulling yeah. salt and stuff up your body. Because the sodium potassium pump, you have to have that, 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 uh, money's on that threshold yeah, for potassium and yeah. sodium to be. Uh, like you're saying, diluted or non-diluted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so get too much. If you're working out too hard and you're, you know, straining yourself and your electrolytes might be off already and you're only drinking distilled water, just, you know, most of the time regular water without any kind of electrolytes in it, um, you have the potential for cramping worse. You know, mm. cramping, getting more pain, getting just uh, kind of on and on from there. So the NS actually helps a lot better. It's what we use in the hospitals, what doctors, offices use all the time. Mm. Mm. So then what? So you started working with this the side gig for a little bit. You on the ropes. What was the kind of decision to make you actually start your own company? Uh, so that happened with COVID. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was kind of pushed, you know, because everybody, I think it was a year and a half, two years with that other company, finally just uh, cut ties, with, uh, which is like sad. And like, I, I miss it. I really yeah, do. I get uh, that. Something about being on the box, man. Dude, it's awesome. Yeah. Seeing things like not everybody gets to see and just, you know, dealing with people in a different light for yep. sure. Uh, so kind of ties there uh, going on and let alone it's kind of working there was kind of working at the Ivy company was kind of like being a bartender and a medic at the same time hmm. you know you're going because you're going you're just talking to normal people they're not in emergency situations or anything so that was kind of a different light a different spin on things for me and, and it was fun and decent money a little closer on the phone. Yeah, fun and decent money um, and then going from there COVID hit what's that I wanted to start my own thing yeah absolutely I've always I've always had the dream of just doing something by yourself uh, yeah absolutely just being your own boss just figuring yep. it out and i had no idea what to do so i got a different skill set doing this IV stuff and COVID hit we uh we closed the doors for what two months or something i forget what fort worth was like all the i don't remember essential yeah we moved right in the middle of all that so oh there you go i don't remember that was kind of a blur yeah well, it was <laughs> crazy times uh so that happened and it just got to got to a point where it was like you know what i can start 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 this myself you know it's mm-hmm. easy um, and going through all the process of everything, kind of knew how to do it. Uh, learned a lot at the other company, so you know, kind of helped out. That's cool. So, um, what are some of the main things that you've seen that people are calling you for late as as of late? I know you said allergies is kind of the biggest thing. Right. But what else do people are, are people calling you for? Migraines are huge, mm-hmm. um, and we even uh, we've even spoken to a few neurologists that have sent us a few patients. Really? Yeah. And, that's uh, awesome going through that i mean we can give uh you know you give saline you give caffeine magnesium and toradol and apparently that'll help out a very large population uh people with migraines why um exactly i mean i'm not a neuro- neurologist at all i don't know what difference what you research I, you're a smart guy you research your own stuff yeah shoot so i would say something to do with the smooth muscle relaxation the electrolyte balance uh toradol in there for the inflammation and something to do with caffeine i mean they're going to be going on about why caffeine would help a headache but um, these, the, the patients themselves suffer from migraines and, you know, going through it for this, for this long time and they're on the medications or whatever they're doing. Of course, they're not stopping any of that. Uh, but the addition of the, you know, fluids, the electrolytes, vitamins and a medication, you know, mm-hmm. it's actually helps them out. And they'll, they'll, I found I've got several like returning customers or returning patients, uh, that, you know, love it. They swear by mm-hmm. it. It's their own thing. 
you know, they have the migraines, they have their own pain. But and, that's what fixes it. Yeah, and they and they they swear by it. How long does it last for usually? Um, the fix. So like I don't know, most most white people are going on for like migraines. So it's my third day. I can't stand, I gotta go to work huh. and they'll get it that night. They'll sleep really well. Now are the these people day. are these people who are getting off of caffeine or are they just don't they they've maxed out the caffeine and say is that what the deal is or what? I don't, I don't know if it's a caffeine headache or, or what. I know they are migraine patients. Like huh. they have they take medications for migraines themselves. What are the main medications for migraines? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. There's so, so many. I know when I was trying to, I was doing an experiment for my work, for uh, my work, uh, my, I think my biology class or my chemistry class in my undergrad. And one of the experiments was just fast something for like a week and see how you do. So I was like, okay, I'll do caffeine. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Bad idea. How'd you, you feel? It was terrible. <laughs> so I started digging into it. You can actually withdraw from caffeine to where you have these huge, huge migraines. Uh, I, I had tunnel vision. Um, I couldn't start IVs. Like I was shaking so bad. Like, like think about like a, like a heroin addict or a meth addict or, it's crazy. They they always having the same exact symptoms that these people were having. Mm-hmm. They don't like regular drugs, but it was just regular caffeine. So if you want to talk about some crazy stuff, <laughs> caffeine as a whole is insane. I love it, right? Yeah. But it's like a drug. It, it actually binds to the same receptors as heroin. Oh wow. Yeah. So whenever you start removing that, of course you're gonna have some sort of withdrawal. Absolutely. But it's uh it's regulated by you know the entire world, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. We can we can still do that. Makes money. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Money is the worst. It's great. Don't get me wrong. Like it's great, but it is the biggest funder of all the most terrible things. Yeah, it's weird. Like getting older, you can't. I don't know if I'm just finding it out now, or if everybody finds it out at our, you know, my age, and and you kind of turn around and look at the world and go, wow, this is actually this is wrong. This is wrong. This is mm-hmm. wrong. Instead of you know growing up and you just think it's the status quo, it's yep. the good. You see the actual bad in it, and it's oh my goodness. So it's it's a gray world, right? We talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Even even on ambulance, like there's you think you kind of go into it thinking oh, it's very black and white, mm-hmm. but you go in well after a month, you realize, man, it is it is not black and white at all. It's mm-hmm. literally all gray. So how do you like like in a gray world where you where you're just talking about just now, where you grow up and you kind of see the world for what it really is? Mm-hmm. What was that marker for you? What was that moment where you're like, oh, this is this is really screwed up? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Personally, I think it's seeing, uh, you know, because obviously we grew up learning from watching others. It's watching others uh, not doing bad to people, but getting over on people, like pushing them in a different way that really doesn't make sense just to get whatever out of them, money or whatever. And seeing that and knowing that it's not treating people well, you know, not doing good by people, not being nice and just, you know, helping whoever out. It's I could that immediately put two faces to it. You know, and I could tell that this stuff is kind of, this stuff's a little bit off. I don't think it's good for people. And, you know, I decided to, you know, you kind of turn the opposite way. And I like, I feel good about just helping people, you know, being nice. It's all the paramedic thing. Um, and going from that, and that really, that's kind of where I saw that, hey, I don't want to be a person that's doing bad. That's not helping people. That's getting over on them, relying to them or anything. And you kind of go in a different direction. Just do Was there that. one spot that that kind of uh, awakened your senses or was it just a gradual increase? Mm. I can't think of one single thing. Mm, so kind of a gradual increase. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. When we talk about like caffeine, man, it's, it's one of those, that's one of those things where money is driving it all. Like it's one of the biggest, like we're the biggest consumers of caffeine. I think in the world, I think, uh, I don't want to, I, mean, I, I should probably fact check that later, but where, they get the cat, the coffee beans, mm-hmm. and that whole industry is insane. Have you ever done any research on that? Mm-mm. You should. It's Co- it's really screwed up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to. 
<laughs> no, we're not gonna make you hate coffee. I mean, we could. I love cap. I love coffee, but I'm hooked to it. I, I if I try and get off at this point, it's gonna be terrible. Yeah. But I thought about like replacing with teas. I want to have my own garden. I think that was one of the things with COVID. Everybody is trying to do like the uh, the, the home farms, the uh, what are they called, homestead, mm-hmm. homesteading. Because yeah. when everything's shut down, you realize how much we're dependent on literally everything. One supply run goes down and the entire world loses their mind. Remember mm-hmm. the, the toilet paper run? <laughs> like the, the what? The toilet paper run? Oh, yeah, dude. The same thing. Like, how can we get so dependent on literally toilet paper? It's, I mean, literally, think about it, that. Is it selfishness and selfishness and fear mongering? Like people that they only want to think about themselves, they have to survive for themselves, which is, I understand, survival of the fittest and yeah. everything. And then all of a sudden you hear this. So everybody thinks ahead, thinks ahead about how I'm going to be safe. How am I going to protect my immediate family? Instead of thinking about the big, you know, big picture of the entire population. That's a good question. I wonder if it's kind of animalistic in us or something. Well, I think when it goes back down to the fight or flight response, yeah, you do become an animal. Because uh-huh. we, we look at all the movies with zombies and uh, you see, like, they depict how the world is going to react in the zombie apocalypse. Which, by the way, the CDC now warns of a zombie apocalypse. Fun fact. Did you know <laughs> it's that? It's going to happen. It's yeah. crazy. Did you know that, Peyton? No, You're over here freaking out. But- Finally, I get to shoot one. <laughs> I mean, literally, you can you can go on CDC right now, and there's warnings on how to survive a zombie apocalypse, and it occurred during the COVID pandemic. Fun fact for you. I can I, mean, I can see that fight or flight animalistic. Like if I run out of toilet paper, I am pissed, and I call her if she doesn't wake up or something like that to come bring me. So I, I don't know exactly. Oh, but how did we get to this <laughs> point? Like we, again, we've seen them in the movies. We've seen it how the Hollywood depicts everything, but then one little thing occurs during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And everybody's making a run on toilet paper. Yeah. Like, how can we get to this point in life where we literally don't give a crap about anybody or anything, but we just want to run and trample over toilet paper? Okay. Like, how can we lose that much of a perspective to what's actually important? What if it's gaining a different, closer perspective, like social media? You feel attached to everything else that's right there in your face. Like, oh my gosh, everything, go get your toilet paper now. You see one post from one other person. And of course, that's spread across the entire you know country almost immediately. So you're saying, well, so wait. You're saying the social media is what made the run? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, you think about it. I don't, I don't know back, back in, I don't know when this has ever happened. Like when the other shortages or anything. I understand there's like a gas shortage, mm-hmm. like in the seventies or something. Well, there's a the gas cars. shortage on the east coast from the Texas pipeline that Russia hacked. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's, I think it's just taking care of themselves. Like people immediately thinking, hey, this is all about me right now. We're in an emergency because, in the end, I mean, who is it about? Uh, who is it about? Yeah. Is that, is it surviving? Is it us fight or flight? Or, you know, do we always have to think about the population, everybody else, what's going to mm. happen? So I think it's a two way street. And- well, there was a TikTok I saw and it was this dude just skateboarding down. I think it was, I think it was Venice beach. And he just like, he's smiling and he like kind of pans around the beach and he goes, you know what? Everybody here is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> he's just smiling. Like, he's like, why do we care? Like, like, yeah, we can, you know, have a good life, have a healthy life, but sure. like, why do we care so much about longevity? Everybody's going to die at some point. Mm-hmm. So like we're running for toilet paper at the stores because it's kind of that buffer zone. There's a, I, I think I've talked about this before on one of the other podcasts, but it's called terror management theory, mm-hmm. TMT. And it's how we buffer our, it's, it's the death anxiety buffer. So when uh, a disaster occurs, that buffer of our worldview that is that we have created that has spaced us out from death is destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a hurricane, you have a, a tornado, and your entire uh, neighborhood gets destroyed. Next door neighbor, your family died. Death is now right in front of you. And so, terror management theory is the idea that our worldviews 
are what separate us from death. It kind of tries to push us away from the idea of us dying. Mm-hmm. And I, that, it seems like all this, like how everybody's just freaking out, how everybody's like, okay, we don't have control of this. We don't have control. Of that. It's because they're afraid to, afraid to die because their worldview has now been like, oh, COVID is here. Maybe I'll die. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're, we're distanced on normal life and then COVID hits and oh, death could hit me. Yep. And so then we all freak out and we make runs on stores. So it's like how, like, I'm very, I'm about death, right? Mm-hmm. I like death. It's good. You live in a house that used to be a funeral parlor. Yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, we need to talk about death more. You know, you, both of y'all. Sorry, be, what's that? Let's talk. Yeah. I'm saying both of you guys being on the AMOS, being paramedics, and these, um, we've all seen how easy it is to die. How somebody could just die by jumping over a putt because of a blood clot. Mm-hmm. But then other people can get shot in the head and survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I've seen that multiple times. I know you guys have too. So why do you think that death is such a terrifying thing? Is it just because of the fear of the unknown, lack of control? I don't know. I mean, you see it both ways, like just physical world. Uh, you see people die. They look like they are absolutely in agonizing pain, like dying from cancer or something like that. But you also have people who die just like, like it's no big deal. So, yeah. So that part, fear of the unknown. We don't know what that other person's feeling, you know, how horrible the pain actually is. You know, because pain you know, obviously does exist and some people who are dying are going to experience a ton of it, you know, until mm-hmm. the very end. Um, and, you know, so it's a fear that I, I would be afraid. I don't feel like enough as afraid. Of are you afraid anymore. to die? Not as much. No, I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. And my body's going to kick in and like just fight everything for it. Yeah. But being which is normal, you know, being afraid. No, I've accepted like, no, it's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. You know, I think I, I have a belief in it. What I feel I'm, like I'm going to happen, like I've talked my you know self mm-hmm. into. Like I'm going to, it'll get to a point. It might hurt for a little bit. And all of a sudden your body's going to take over. It's like, it's like doing a drug or right. Whenever a high hits or something like that, you can't control it. It's just there. Um, there's been, <clears throat> you know, tons hey, of the people cough. reporting. It's yeah, my, there it is. My cough. That's I'm a good cough. You, you just cough. cough and it's like, oh, I cough a lot. It's a dead cough. I'm <laughs> I have COVID. We're going to die. <laughs> Terror management theory. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's just a feel like I've talked myself into it. And of course, you know, I'm sure everybody's different, but I, I wish they would. Cause I know a lot of people live in absolute fear mm-hmm. uh, of dying you know it's uh what's the what's a chondria of it hypochondria or mm-hmm. it's not that it's just the fear of dying yeah. itself i can't uh, remember what it is but people are they're, they're yeah. just absolutely terrified they want to don't want to do anything and so if we are in a world where really nothing matters and you maybe say the only thing that does matter is being happy feeling good having experiences and our memories of you know getting that dopamine and serotonin going of that good feeling if that's really all that matters and you're buffered by this huge fear of death, you know, you're not living to your full potential. Are you going to look back in life and have a, t- have a ton of regrets by not doing something? Hmm. Do you, you said if nothing matters, okay. do you think that you can accept death while also think, think, think thinking that everything matters? Oh, I think there's so many more ways of being able to accept death and not being afraid of it, no matter what you believe in, no matter mm. what actually happens, whatever, you know, goes on. Like uh, I'm talking about what, what do you mean goes on like post death? Uh, yeah, post like heaven death. or hell? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever re- religious views you have. I mean, good gosh, if I could have just whatever faith, like internally, I knew this was. I truly believe this is going to happen, which I don't. I have no idea what's going to happen. But you know, you truly believe that's just that more comforting. It feels like a pillow behind your head or something. Like, oh, I got to fall back or a safety net kind of thing. Like it's okay, I can die because I know this is going to happen. Having that feeling, that comfort is just, I think it would be way better than me going, you know what, most likely my body's going to take over and I probably won't feel too much. So I think it'll be okay. Like, mm. you know, having that safety net would be a lot better. So do you think that you can have annihilationism or things where like the, the idea that um, when you die, you cease to exist and you have zero purpose on earth. Do you think those can go hand in hand and actually still be 
have hope. Yeah, absolutely. You can be totally wrong. I'm mm. wrong several times. You know, I think, mm. I think, and gosh, if that did happen, that'd be like something happened, like heaven, like going up and you see the pearly gates and mm. you're all comfortable and you see all your friends and stuff like that. That would be, that would be amazing. I really would. Mm. But, so what kind of, t- before you, you have a history of, of church, right? Back in that, you grew up in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in, in on, on a very religious side of things. Uh, yeah, for a short while. Uh, we, I think really like as a kid, I stopped going whenever I was seven or eight. And I think at the church, the reason why parents stopped going to it uh, was something that happened with the pastor. Like, wasn't good things like mm-hmm. happening with the pastor. So they saw that, hey, this isn't a good place to go. And I think it kind of difference between laziness and, you know, losing that respect for that specific church, you know, kind of drove them away. And then we just ended up stopping. Going. And parents divorced and stuff like that. One's constantly working. So really never having time to go or anything like that. That's really what pushed me away from it. It seems like you put a lot of thought into all this because you again, you you put. You, you grew up first in the religious side of things mm-hmm. and then some bad things happened mm-hmm. and then now you're just completely throwing it away yeah. because like it did, it did it really impact you that much? I think, yeah, seeing it now, seeing that big lapse, <clears throat> like whenever, you know, like teenagers, preteens, stuff like that, whenever it's really important, you're learning your ways, you're learning mm-hmm. your habits and everything uh, that pushed me off to not feeling the need, you know, or anything or the want to go mm-hmm. and then past that, just kind of forgetting about it. You know, mm. on on that that's really that's really what because we, t- we, we i think last time we had uh we were at that bar y'all showed us it was really cool by the way mm-hmm. i'm gonna go back there um we both agreed because I, I i come from a, little, a different perspective we, we know where i come from on mm-hmm. this i do i do believe there's a god i think there's some really screwed up things in the church and i'm very vocal about it mm-hmm. um but even in the world of ems where death is on your front door all the time you're ex- you're experiencing death you're helping people die <laughs> or not die um depending on what if you believe in uh assisted suicide or, suicide or not mm-hmm. <laughs> um i do yeah so do i yeah um we live in that gray world we live where everything is just so hard to grasp where it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. So being from that perspective, we like we've both seen how there's something there, right? Mm-hmm. On the back of the ambulance that just it goes against all reason, all logic, and all science. How do you attribute that? How do you correlate what happened um with whatever call it was to there not being or there being a higher power? So I'm not even talking about religion or um any Christianity or Islam, whatever it doesn't matter. I'm talking yeah. about higher power. Can we get real, like on this? Go. Like, yeah. Why do you think I'm bringing up religion and Christianity and higher powers? I get because like it's my first time to do this. I, I don't want to like I feel like I'm, I'm a, on a commercial or something like that. I don't want to say certain things. That's why I no, don't yeah. want. So th- everything I've done with this podcast is to bring real talks with real people. Mm-hmm. So let's talk real. Like, what do you believe? So getting back to that, like on the back of the ambulance, and yeah. not having any idea of how that person survived or why that person died or played into it so the first thought is like okay statistically you know mm-hmm. you're thinking there's so many different ways you can die and this happens this happens and it's like a cascade of events that mm-hmm. leads to ultimate death and then other times you're like that makes no sense mm-hmm. at all like uh and yeah. that i actually love that would push me and that does push me more to the belief of you know one of the biggest things that i absolutely can't understand god mm. what if that's god you know, what if that is going on? I'm not talking about a man in the sky on the clouds pulling, put, going down and going, you, you're not going to die. But whatever this existence is, what if that's our superior being, the creator, creation of, you know, whatever happened uh, in the first place? Like, why we're here all together? But that's 
that to me is that that's what really kind of blows my hair back going how that that makes zero sense at all uh and i don't know yeah so that's that's one of the biggest things of like kind of holding on by by a thread like i'm not i'm not i don't know i'm not really not christian by any means um i know there's several other religions i don't know much about other religions uh besides a little bit about christianity uh not christian uh but absolutely there's there a higher power is there something that created us absolutely there could be there might as well be there's as much of a chance that there's a superior power that something created where we came from to create that big bang or whatever kind of theory you believe in then there is that doesn't i mean it's equal there's no way we can figure that out right mm-hmm. like that's i feel i feel like all of our absolute you know scientific professionals doctors everything like that that have extreme like as far as we got in the cutting edge of technology and the studies and everything they still like go back and forth mm-hmm. I, I don't know and it's still a theory so i love that about it too i love going forward and like i feel like science and in looking for everything and looking how we started is the ultimate uh you know direction of discovery of a god like what mm-hmm. if there is something if they can prove that then then what do we have to be afraid for of dying you know, if like, okay, we prove this, oh, and this links here and goes all over the place. And all of a sudden we're, it, we do have some sort of heaven, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's, if that's there and I have that faith now, I have the absolute belief in knowing, you know, oh my gosh, that would be the biggest weight off of my shoulders ever. Hmm. I think on the, on the speaking out, like the fear of death. Yeah. So. No, that's great. Uh, you know, I, f- I feel like a lot of people jump from like, <laughs> let me back up most people can agree that there is something there but that's where it gets lost past that point yeah. like we know like i have brought up the argument before like so I, back in the day um not back it was probably 10 10 years ago roughly i, I kind of came to the point where i'm like okay i want to know for myself like without taking a moral stance without taking a uh christian stance can i prove through logic reason and science that there is a higher power that there is a god and then i can move on from there i just wanted to prove that in general, like mm-hmm. I just, for myself, I wasn't trying to like shove it down anybody's throat. Like I think that's what the issue with Christians right? is they want to shove these things down people's throat because it's a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, look, I brought somebody to church and I saved their life. No, you didn't. Like yeah. that was scripture even talks about how the, it's not you drawing them to himself. It's him drawing to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to this point where it came down to one argument and it was, where does morality come from? The good and the evil. Where does like, if, if good behavior and right stance, right standing with people, though, you know, is something right or wrong, where does that even come from? Mm-hmm. And it's the idea of objective morality versus subjective morality. And even I start at, once I started digging down into it in my ethics class, even in college, I, I found this, uh, one of the assignments they gave us was Sam Harris. He's, you know, uh, atheistic, uh, really cool guy, very smart, really fun to listen to. But he was debating, I think he was at University of North Dakota. He was debating a... Uh, theist so somebody who's who's debating about theology so it was an atheist and a theologian debating two and a half hour debate amazing and it always came down to where does is morality objective or subjective Mm -hmm. you know do we choose morality or is morality placed inside us and then does our choice to choose that morality where everything falls apart and so bottom line is where i came down to is there is like that standard of right and good behavior there's no other way that it could have been placed inside of us except by a higher power mm-hmm. and that's that's where i stopped okay i was like there's a high power like i know the argument subjective versus objective i know where i stand if it's subjective morality then 
immediately your entire culture will just die because mm-hmm. if somebody's morality what they think is good is directly dependent on what they believe in is good then i could be a murderer do mass murder and then kill millions of people and it'd be good mm-hmm. and then society would say that is good but if that continued then our entire society our entire world would collapse so you have like these these you know stepping stones and so i think where we get off with a lot of these issues about religion about what you believe in is that human humanity human beings in general want to take the pride of getting somebody to believe in what they believe in specifically the religious community mm-hmm. and that's not what we're supposed to like man i just i like hanging out with people i like understanding people's stories i want to hear where you're coming from whether you believe in a god or a christianity or islam it doesn't matter yeah i'm just supposed to just hang out with you and, and like i love hanging out with you guys you know so i think that's that's where society can really grow and that's what we're not seeing right now is people not want to hang out with each other because they believe in different things. And that's why we have these widening gaps from COVID, from mask versus non-mask versus vaccines versus non-vaccines. So you have these widening gaps because people aren't wanting to love. Mm-hmm. Do you think Do you think it's a different in person? Uh, like, okay, so difference in evolution, uh, the way our experiences kind of change us and we adapt and, you know, our brain, we're getting smarter than we have ever been and stuff like that. Do you think it's a different in, difference in people who, I don't want to, it's not, I'm not trying to like, I don't want to talk down to anybody, but like, oh, not being not as evolved or something like that. But do you think they have the, do you think there are people out there that don't have the capacity to understand the further thought and kind of thinking like about the big picture, stepping back and looking at like, oh, okay, me throwing this down somebody's throat isn't really doing a thing. It's not helping out anything. Do you think there there's people that can't understand that for a reason? Or are you talking about like uh, like mentally incapacitated people? Yeah. So, not, not not even just on a smaller point. Just to, so give me an example. Uh, evolved evolution. Like the older we get, the more uh, you know, the more generations that go by, we're changing bits and bits due to our environment. Mm-hmm. You know, we're at, adapting. The theory of epigenetics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so going from that, do you think there's it's different branches and different people. And right now we have so many different branches that there's a select few of people that uh, can't think that deeply to understand or like really step back and, and look at things I'm going, Hey, I need to be better or, you know, better for the population, whatever. They're more of thinking about themselves. It is this way you have to know and believe that it's this way only. Mm, or, I see what you're saying. Um, a few months back, my son, he's four. He asked me, he goes, where do trees come from? You can talk like. Can you give me the last bit? Yeah, I'm gonna be so bad right now. It's like talk to her like she's my wife. Like, yeah, you walk away. Oh, I'm so glad I married you. Yeah. She goes right here. Um, I, I think that's something that we're born with. That question of where did we come from? Mm-hmm. And I think that everything in creation points to to the asking that question. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you can be. Um, I think the person that you're talking about at this point is has to be incapacitated in the mind. Because at this point, we have the entire world who we're all, for the most part, you know, normal human beings. We can think for ourselves. We, we're not apes, you know. Yeah. And I think that the, the scenario that you're presenting is for people who are mentally incapacitated. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. And so back to my... Uh, analogy earlier me and my son he asked he goes where where's the sun come from like where do trees come from like he asked started asking these deep questions 
and I didn't show him anything. He, that curiosity was just there. And I think that curiosity is, is in everybody, whether you're mentally retarded or a genius. I think you, you can very simply overthink things as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of uh, theologians, debaters get off on this topic is because they can overthink it to the ground. And for me, I'm like, okay, I know there's a God. I know what view I take on this all, on all this, but I'm also not going to shove it down people's throat because that's not what I'm supposed to do. Sure. I'm supposed to like hang out with you. Like I just want to love, right? Mm-hmm. So does that kind of ask your question or yeah, absolutely. not at all? No, I completely see it in that. Like there's... And, and that kind of makes sense just you know, on a, like an IQ kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. how smart is the person? How well educated can the person become? Like your son talking about this extremely deep stuff that that's, I would, that, that makes me immediately think that he's going to be, you know, genius level way above anything that we've ever seen. Or, but at what point in your life, you probably don't even remember it, but at what point did you think, okay, like there was trees here and I see a house and I see the sun, I see stars. Like, at what point did you start asking questions? Oh, like, that's kind of cool. I wonder where those came from. Yeah, way hey. later than... If I did, it was probably shut down by... Oh, God created it. Stop. And then stopped. Stop. Yeah, yeah that's it. Like, there's no... And that's a bad okay. thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's not cool. Like, let's, let's dig deeper. Okay, well, if God did create it, then why did he create it? Mm-hmm. Okay, is there a God? Mm-hmm. And I, I can't get past... I've done countless hours of research about this idea of objective morality pointing to the old creator. Mm-hmm. I can't get past it. I can't figure out a way to get past it. And I've heard the best debaters mm-hmm. do the same thing. I'm going to pour another drink. Thank you, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so for me, I'm, I'm going, okay, if I can't get past this and then the best debaters in the world can't get past objective morality, then there has to be something to it. Yeah. And if there is a higher a power, a higher creator, where do I stand in all this? And then you follow what scripture said. It's kind of funny. Like a lot of churches today are, have become the very thing that the old Testament was, mm-hmm. you know, we're, the New Testament, it, when, when, um, again, in the concepts of Christianity, um, the New Testament, like Jesus, I believe that Jesus is, this is the first time I actually talked about this, but um, I, I believe that Jesus is the God, like he is the Messiah, but he, his ideas behind why he came down to earth is completely different than what everybody thought they were. And so the very, the Sanhedrin, the, uh, the church of the day during those times it's kind of, it reminds me of what the church is today. Mm-hmm. And we've got some, we found this like loophole again. We're just back in this, which, yo, 33, 33 year loops are a thing. Time loops. You heard about that? No, no. You have to watch a show called dark. Okay. It's dark, <laughs> but it's nice. German. And it's all about how, uh, how, how patterns repeat themselves on 33 or multiples of 33. Mm-hmm. So like you can go like multiples of 33 for thousands of years and you find these patterns. It's crazy how they lay it out. And I started, so I was watching the show. I was like, there's no way. And so then I started researching and like, sure enough, there's actual patterns in time. It's kind of funny. Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30 and died at 33. Hmm. So it's like these like weird time things that are all pointing towards a higher being, a higher creator. So my my frustration with today with the church is how we've kind of become the exact same thing that Jesus came to stop Mm -hmm. and we can't get past it. And that's why a lot of people, myself included, are tired of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I came I came from a small church. My dad's a pastor. Great church. Love it to death. Um, it just wasn't for us at the time. Um, but I see, like, not all churches are like that. They're a very small church. They love each other well. Um, small community, maybe 12 or 15 people as was where it is at this point. Uh, but they, they hang out, they love, and they teach good scripture, like good ideas. 
And it's not about what you do. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, let's love each other. Okay, cool. Have a beer. <laughs> and I think that's what the church is supposed to be, but it's not. There you go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I mean, it gets to my thing that really pushes me away from it or people that, yeah, force it down your throats. Just, no, it is absolutely this way. You have to believe in this. And then they don't give you a reason afterwards. Yeah. And it's more of a, a punishment. If you talk any more about it, where they talk down to you, they embarrass you in front of a big crowd. I've had that. That's insecure. That's insecure. You've had that happen to you? Yeah. Yeah. Tell uh, me about that. Were, oh, all right. So it was one, it was horrible. One, it was a, a very, very religious group, very, very religious uh, set of friends and family that I was with. Mike, sir. Oh, sorry. Very religious group. Mike, Mike. Uh, <laughs> Mike, what you meant? Mike. Uh, Mike, very, Mike. Very religious set of friends that I was with. And they were, which ended up being a uh, pyramid scheme to sell like this Wait, champagne. What? Yeah. A pyramid, at a church? Uh, it was at their house. Um, but it was everybody from the church doing it. It was like the pastor doing it. And, oh, no. And he was selling some kind of champagne or something like this. And going, he's going, listen, you're, this is your end, however pyramid schemes work. This is your end. Uh, you know, buy all this stuff from me. And then you get, you know, two people to buy it. And they, you know, everybody's buying wholesale from you. And you're making this cut. I believe that's how pyramid what? schemes work. Oh, yeah. yeah. So for it, sure, gets, for sure. it gets to that point. And uh, I did the math on it. Uh, I think it was, I was like 15 or 16 years old. And I did the math on what they were saying. Like, yeah, if you just get four people to sell exactly what you're selling, two and two, you know, they mm-hmm. each person gets two and two and two, and it grows exponentially, uh, then you're going to be making this amount of money. And I did the math on them. Like, no, you're not, one, you're not going to sell like $10 million worth of this stuff and, oh and to this many people. And as soon as I said that, I just kind of raised my hand. Like, I don't, like, I went against what he was saying oh, during no. this whole thing. Of course, it pissed anybody it's off. It's great. I love it. <laughs> uh, and he immediately started talking about, oh, there's always the one son that goes against and Cain and Abel. Or oh, my son. gosh. Okay. You, exactly what he was saying. You can like, literally paint what? the scriptures of, of, of the Bible in any light you want. In any light. So, I'm sorry. That's that's terrible. That's great. And that was another thing. I was like, that's uh, that could have been a big stick, like, right there. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this is the point. I don't trust Yep. This type of person. Yep. You know? Yep. You know, everybody want is is grasping at the unknown. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we get so many of these cults and sure. so many like churches that have gone off crazy because or like uh like pastors that are, are preaching uh we'll call them the spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. Spiritual leaders who are teaching things are just so outlandish, but mm-hmm. there's everybody is following like like it's nothing. But I think it's because they're trying to make a worldview buffering themselves from death. Terror management theory. I get it. Yeah. So everybody's grasping at the unknowns. You know, that's why there's so many people who just lose their minds whenever the slightest amount of catastrophe happens. I've, I've had catastrophe happen to our family, not not crazy, luckily, but enough to where I'm like, okay, like, okay, so why is this happening? Mm-hmm. So it seems like you had like a light bulb hit at yeah, that point. I'm, I'm wondering if it's like a confidence thing. People feel good about themselves once they're confident because they see other people believing in themselves. So all of a sudden they feel of like, oh, say you do have a fear of death or anything and you start preaching one way, uh, then all these people kind of turn towards you and go, yes, so you must be believing them for believing in you and your confidence gets boosted so your fear goes away. Kind of buffer zone. Yeah, buffer zone, yeah. Creating a buffer zone. But I wonder if we're never supposed to create a buffer zone from death. Mm-hmm. I think be- I think death should be an everyday occurrence where we uh, we we first off it is an everyday occurrence don't get me wrong yeah. but we don't talk Nobody about it. it yeah we don't talk about that so sheltered from it in real life yeah, oh yeah, yeah. sheltered yeah. things like the three of us did with ems and everything it's right in front in your face every day and you kind of see how real life actually is mm-hmm. yeah. not this facade that we're grown up to believe mm-hmm. well I, I just wonder like like with what like with what where i've come to in regards to death in regards to my wife dying or my kids dying 
it'd be uh, horrific. I, uh, it hurts just thinking about, mm-hmm. but like death is a good thing from what I believe. Like the life that my family or I will be living is like a million times better from if I believe in God. And then if I believe that Jesus is the Christ, then I dive deeper into the scripture. I know that death is way better mm-hmm. than this current life. In fact, that's what like all of the Bible talks about <laughs> like regularly. So <laughs> if you like this now, just wait, it's yeah. going to get better. I'm just saying yeah. like, that's literally <laughs> I'll take two. Speaking of pyramid schemes. <laughs> Egyptians I, had it right, man. I mean, but think about it. Like what if death was just no big deal and you're like, oh, this is going to be cool. Yeah. Like when I die, it's going to be litty. It's like some of those cults are really popular. They have the fucking Kool-Aid and applesauce and you know, <laughs> drinking the Kool-Aid, man. Yeah. Do you imagine responding that on an EMS call? Wait, what? Uh, those huge suicide group suicides from the cults and everything that have happened, like drinking the Kool-Aid, oh, eating the applesauce, that's poison and it kills everybody yep. for suicide yep. because all of a sudden you're going to see some Messiah or whatever. Yep. I, forget, yep. I forget where they were at, but a few of them were here in the States and oh, man, I couldn't even imagine. Like a, there was one mass one that was actually a, a nurse on a psychiatric unit that met this man and they fell in love and they created this cult and then mass, mass suicide. It literally just takes somebody with a little charisma and a little bit of knowledge about occasional religion Mm -hmm. and you can start a cult it's not that hard that's what we're finding out right but it's weird because um dmt right the they call it the what is it the god drug or the dream dream drug i forgot what it's called dmt uh according to alex jones (laughs) i'm not i don't research him a lot i'm gonna be but he's got some (laughs) but i'm kind of retarded but i'm kind of retarded (laughs) (laughs) what does does it say about the frogs uh he's lick the frogs you you get the dmt off of it frogs or something anyways dmt anytime population groups did dmt there'd be mass suicides every time and he tracked it down he showed the research and then like jamie on joe rogan right Mm -hmm. he's fact checking all he goes yeah you're right he goes actually yeah shit so mass suicides fun fact i wonder what it shows him it has to show him something real enough to believe that it's better afterwards well apparently we're doing like our the highest leaders of our uh of America, if not the world, are doing DMT and getting talked to by interdimensional beings, right? Because that's right. all aliens. That's how they stay rich, bastards. I mean, <laughs> I mean honestly, <laughs> but like again, he started throwing out some de- some crazy stuff, and they're fact checking him and go, like, "Oh yeah, you're you're right. Like, you're absolutely right on everything you just said." And some yeah. crazy interdimensional being, alien type thing with DMT and the Nazis, and it's all right. That's what's creepy. So again, like if. If we are so scared of death, like that should terrify us. Mm-hmm. But if like you're not, if like all that stuff does happen and we're all going to die anyway and we're just skateboarding on Venice Beach, mm-hmm. it's all good, man. I'm just living my life, loving who I love. I wonder how we can get rid of that today without, you know, like I have this worry about. Get rid of what? My, the fear of, not that you can't really believe that nothing matters because that's our drive of you know, making money or are doing this to be successful, whatever we feel good about. Well, even, even the evolutionary side of that uh, says that's just part of you trying to survive and exist. Yeah. It's trying to make your, your life better. So I don't know if it's necessarily even that same issue. I think it's just, I just think, I mean, go, going from that, I wish I could take the stress off because I have anxiety all the time about, okay, do this. You have to make so much money. You have to get this done. You have to be this type of person. Let's go, 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 go. And if I could just stop, relax, enjoy life more without worrying, you mm-hmm. know, uh, of course, about being homeless or something and not having money, because that's what our it's capitalism, you know, it's our the world we live in. Uh, if I kind of just alleviate that, that'd be wonderful. Well, I'll tell you, it's my wife and I are kind of at that part right now where um, if we didn't believe in a higher power, mm-hmm. 
life would be way worse. Really? Yeah. Even today, you know, she she got a commission check, right? Um, we're in all month. Last last month, she didn't make commission, mm-hmm. and so it's like cuts her salary in half. Um, and it's it's terrible. Like it's very hard. Mm-hmm. But every time we've just kind of released control of our situation, money just came out the wazoo. And we were okay. And that's how it's been our entire life. Mm-hmm. Like every time I started to worry about something, like, again, it makes no sense that I was able to be with a family of four making what I made as an EMG mm-hmm. and still go on three, four trips a year. The The numbers just don't add up. I think my take home at that point was, I think we we're living off of after taxes, like 16000 or $17,000. Oh, wow. I was doing other things like side things, but it wasn't. It wasn't I wasn't making seventy k a year yeah. to be able to survive, make my family survive, and all that. It just didn't make sense. So, going back to the evolutionary mindset of fight or flight, of survival of the fittest. To me, it it the survival of the fittest mindset actually proves that there's a higher power because if we're supposed to not be stressed and have a good life here for the most part, again, there's the the people who are, who are having terrible lives that I don't want to downplay anything they're having, but you're talking about how you just could just wish you could just release control and not have to worry. Mm-hmm. And you just, you got to keep driving for that money, that dollar. Like what if, if we just realize there is a higher power that he's got our back, it may not be what we think our control would be a moot point because we know that it's not up to me anyway. Like, yeah, but what would stop you from doing the exact opposite, going crazy, doing drugs, spending all your money. Now there's a higher power. They're going to take care of us somehow. What's well, the morality? There, like, where's that? Yeah, there's there's that actually there's an actual name for that. I forget what it's called though. I dove deep into that a few years ago, and again, I came to the conclusion. I I, I want to. I wish I could bring it up, but I came to the conclusion again. It's that's just not that's a that's more of an outlier because mm-hmm. most people aren't going to do that. The people who maybe have these life choices, um, like there's everything in life. Everything in life has consequences. Like my 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 son, my daughter earlier, they weren't they weren't listening. I could go and discipline them. Or I could just, hey, if you jump off this couch, like I've told you a million times, you're going to get hurt or you're going, if you jump off a roof, you're going to get hurt. That's life consequence. That is going to happen. And life consequence is built into the threaded fabric of our entire society. So yeah, somebody's got our back. God has our back. And if I choose to do heroin, there's going to be life consequences for that. So a lot of those life consequences, uh, my dad calls them minefields. Like there are minefields out there. He says, hey, you can do that. Like everything is beneficial, but not everything or everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Like you can do whatever the heck you want, but it's not beneficial. No, that's it. And dude, those are things that like people can twist and, and really screw things up. Um, so yeah, to your point, there are life consequences and there are life minds. There are life minefields. Um, we have the choice. If we didn't have choice to do what we wanted in the midst of a creator, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be able to love because love is choice. Choice is love. You can't have one without the other. Because if you force people to love you, then that would want to be love, would it? That's true. I think, I wonder if it gets to a point, like it has to get to a point, like that's an inevitable. What's uh, an inevitable? Uh, that you're going to go up learning all this stuff, but all of a sudden say us, 33 years. I'm 33 years old. Hey, let's go. <laughs> you get to a point where you're, it's like, oh, okay, I don't have to do all these things. I don't have to worry about money because maybe there is something leading us, you know, towards whatever that's going to make us okay. But now I know 
that all the stuff I did in my twenties and, you know, drinking heavily and going and partying, you know, just being crazy that I can't do that because there's good and bad. So I know where that's going to lead me. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you get to this nice step and you level off, you plateau and you kind of go from there. So maybe the stress is going to go away with this plateau that I know, Hey, I don't have to go any higher, you know, because I'm going to be okay now if I do these things that I already know, like where it's going to get me, Mm -hmm. but I know not to do all these horrible things because I know it's going to drop me lower. It's like a morality enemy. God, I kind of wish I was smarter. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's super deep, though, man. That's great. I sometimes love I, that. Sometimes I think stuff and then I like look in my head and go, man, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that happens to me all the time. That, that literally happened to me like 10 minutes ago. I had this great train of thought and I was like, man, this is going to be good. I got my point. And I just lost it. I was like, no, I look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true, though. But I mean, a lot of consequence, man. It, it, it happens. And, and yeah, I can choose to say and pray that that god's going to take care of me which i know he will but i wonder if his definition of taking care of me is completely different than my definition like semantics yeah he's speaking a different language so if i say you know I, you're going to take care of me and give me a million dollars that's just not how it works mm-hmm. it's semantics he goes no i'm gonna take care of you but I'm, maybe i'm gonna work on your heart and not your wallet you know so I don't know, that's just it's it's a lot there's a lot there you know when Do you, you think it's inevitable that you're going to go a certain way no matter what or you're so floating, predestination floating around. Yeah. Okay. So predestination. Um, See, my mind looks. I'm so this is stupid. <laughs> uh, you know, the concept of Calvinism and Arminianism. Uh, remind me. It's that very, yo, y'all walked in at the perfect time. We're talking about predestination. Though. Yeah. Predestination. Um, so this is where people can get off in a bad way. So, predestination and calvinism that god is is all powerful and all knowing that he is almost like a deist like he uh deism is like the clockmaker i think it's deism the clockmaker god he has the world he has all the perfect routes like if you think of an anthill there's millions of routes right in the bottom of an anthill and it's like a clock you just wind it up and then everybody takes the routes and there's nothing you do about it um I, and Armin, Arminianism is the exact opposite. It's just free will. Arminianism. Arminianism, yeah. Okay. Joseph Ar- Arminian, I think is what it is. And then John Calvin. Mm. Those are two guys who really push these two theories in theology. <clears throat> so, Mal and I talked about this a lot, actually. Free, free will. Like, where does God come into the free will side of things? So, all this to say, so before we get into all this, like, this is what divides people. Like, these ideas of is God a clockmaker God? Is God all about um calvinism on the idea that everything is in his control and that we have no control at all mm-hmm. or do we have all free will and god has very little control but if god has very little control then is he really god so this has divided churches and people and families for generations and centuries so we also are taught that like even just wisdom says hey like don't get caught in the weeds like know your know your stuff know the few hills you're gonna die on and then call it good mm-hmm. For me, I know mine. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to love that. The hills that you die on. Yeah. Like, what are you explain? Yeah. Explain that to me. You have like three, choose three or four. This is what someone dad taught me. Um, choose the hills you're going to die on because you can't die on a hundred hills. Mm-hmm. You can have to die on maybe one. Right. For me, I know those, I know those, those handful of handful of hills I'm going to die on. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Arminianism, Calvinism, predestination is not a hill I'm going to die on. I know what I think and believe about it, but it's not something I'm going to like, this is how it is. This is what you believe. If you don't believe this, you're not, uh, you're going to hell, which is a lot of people do. (laughs) So the idea is that 
so I, I explain Calvinism is that you have very little say in what happens in life, that God is all powerful, all powerful and that he's orchestrated everything for his good and glory and mm-hmm. that you don't really have a choice. So if you, if you make a choice to go do heroin, was that his directing you to go do heroin? That's kind of Calvinism. That's kind of where it gets a little, little dicey. And again, I'm definitely not a theologian. I just know my ideas. I know a lot of people that believe exactly like that. That's crazy. So the zinger that I have found to get to find that balance, because yet again, everybody jumps to these crazy polar opposites, whether Mm -hmm. it's masks or no masks, COVID is real or COVID is not real or Calvinism is the way to go or Arminianism is, is the way to go. There's not a silver bullet for really anything. Mm-hmm. You, it's like you have to figure out what the, where that balance of that threshold is. Even with herd immunity, you have to have a threshold for it to be effective. Even if you don't get to like a 99% uh, like for instance, like I think measles is like you have to have a threshold of 99 or 96.7% uh, herd immunity to be able to, to have the va- to be for the vaccine to be effective. But there's no way in hell that our entire world can be vaccinated because of the globalism that we have. So mm-hmm. it's like, should we even take the measles vaccine? So that's another debate. But threshold is all I'm trying to say. So with Arminianism and Calvinism, there's a threshold. And the zinger that I found that helps me find that balance is love. So how do I say this? God, how I view it, is God is completely all-powerful. Mm-hmm. I think he knows every direction that everybody's going to take and we have the choice to follow those money zones we have the choice to find that area that we're going to be most successful in Mm -hmm. so if i have a web of directions i could take i know the main route is where he sees the main route of okay if you go this way caleb you're going to do some really cool things i mean you can go like the analogy i heard again my dad says you can go from here to dallas taking 35 or you can go from here to dallas going through China and going around the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, he still sees the route. You're still, we're all going to die. So all everybody's direction is still the same place. God just sees the routes. The idea of free choice and love allows, like we can't have love without free choice. We can't have, we can't choose to love, which is the main thing that we're called to do is humanity in with humanity. Um, But we can't have love without free choice. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a concept of free choice within the concept of Calvinism. So if you think about a pendulum, if you have, Calvinism, Calvinist on this side and Arminianist on this side, that pendulum is going to be kind of where in, somewhere in the middle and love is how we get there. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I believe is that yes, God knows every possible direction, but I have the choice to find those money zones or not. And that's humanity. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's why we do drugs. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Too deep thinking. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's a lot there. And unfortunately it divides so many people. Whether you're talking about religion or all these concepts, all these concepts that we've talked about through this entire podcast, it's all about dividing people. Like, it seems like everybody just wants to divide and not come to a like healthy conversation. Is right? it to their own benefit. Why do you think people are afraid of it? I think there's a lot of insecurity and fear there. Right, it, everything in life can either be drawn back to to fear or love. Mm-hmm. No matter what you look at, no matter what type of argument or debate or choice you make it's all about fear or love it can be rooted back down to that gotcha. and i think that a lot of people are fighting and um doing all this because of fear whether it's the fear of death or the fear of being wrong because they don't want to be looked like they're dumb 
like we've, I've seen a lot of doctors do this. We've all seen doctors do this, right? They they run on this train, even though they know they might be wrong, they will refuse to be wrong because they don't want to be looked at like they're not smart, not a good doctor. Because right, society says that doctors are supposed to be the utmost, best, most knowledgeable people in the world. Mm. But that's not really the case. Like I see more doctors kill people than actual like disease processes. Yes. <laughs> um, and I got people over here not, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's fear of not uh, or uh, of looking like something that you don't want to look like, which is just insecurity in other people's eyes. Yep. You've heard the enneagram. Like, what's my enneotype? Yeah, she's all about it, Molly. Oh, right yeah. now, I'm a three. Uh, so saying that our different faces that we put on because we're afraid of, uh, uh, what are, what we look like in other people's eyes and how to get further, more successful. We're always worried about that. So we wear a yeah. bunch of different faces and learning about that and learning about the paths that I've taken in, you know, like in my life about what I'm doing or how I'm talking to people or how I'm interacting or whatever. And I look back on it and going, wow, like I have no idea like who I am, like which face is it? We're like, Hey, I'm up and everything's going on. I'm nice and confident. Kind of like fake it till you make it kind mm-hmm. of thing. Or, you know, well, everybody's like, fake it till they make it, man. Yeah, dude, seriously. Everybody. So like once you figure that out, 33 years cycle, <laughs> once you figure that out, like it's, it's scary. I told him about dark. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch it now. <laughs> Netflix Tuesdays. Is it still on Netflix? Yeah. It's, it's one of those things you gotta watch and you gotta pay attention to every detail. Okay. Look at the beginning. It does. It gets weird. It's very weird, like, like almost where you want to turn it off mm-hmm. type of because it gets children involved. You're like, this is yeah. really weird. It's like when I first met Peyton. Yeah. This is weird. <laughs> this is weird. I don't like this. Oh, okay, I'm into it. <laughs> Season three. Fine. I'm just kidding. Mark right it. <laughs> and Mark. <laughs> well, I was talking about pedophilia, and you started talking about Peyton. So, oh, now I got to mark it again. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> More scotch. That's a great bottle, man. Dude, it's my favorite. Johnny Walker Black. Black. I can tell you really loosened up a little bit. You you finally loosened up a little bit and like able to talk out. Yeah, I was was like worried before you get your adrenaline going and all of a sudden I feel like my heart's beating in my throat. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. 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 Which is fine. But. Like we're just talking about my company. Like I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, no, no, wait, wait. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> but thanks to whiskey. Thanks to whiskey. Scotch. Scotch. <laughs> we, we've, we've talked about like a million things so far on this podcast. And I love it. Like these type of deep conversations is what I live for. Yeah. Like I can't stand like public people, like public people, public places gives me so much anxiety. Yep. But these type of like conversations, the grocery store. The grocery store. The carts. Mm-hmm. There's the right lane and the left lane. As soon as I'm Can about you to steal pick, yeah. Or like if you're getting a a thing of mayonnaise on the shelf, move your cart to the side so that I can get by because the HB carts are extra wide. Mm-hmm. And people just again they don't have any clue about anything that's happening around them. It's all about themselves. Back to what we we're talking about earlier. Yeah. Think about it. Everybody's reactions, whether it's driving, which I've I've gotten bad at driving, but driving, grocery store, uh, Whatever the case, it's like they're just so involved in what they're doing, they forget to even look outside. Like, what if like we just stop looking down and at ourselves and started looking at other people and what they're going through? Like, don't you think that actually help yourself? You know? Yeah. I want to. Oh gosh. Let's go. 
do it. That's so, it's, it's social media. It's uh, it's how is it? It's like Facebook, Instagram, all the stuff that we're immediately seeing in front of our faces. I immediately know what's going on with 400 people around the states and what everybody's thinking. And it obviously pushes my uh, my ideas, my my judgments, my um, uh, what, are, what, else, what else would you call it? Your worldviews. Yeah, worldviews pushes it in a certain way. So. And now that they're, what is that documentary on Netflix where they're finding out like everything that's happened? Oh yeah, that? Uh, we just watched it. The the social uh, social dilemma. Yes. So my phone would probably show up something completely than your phone. Oh yeah. You know, and but it's, depending on what state you're in. Even. Yeah, exactly. Or what you've liked, what you've clicked mm-hmm. on, what it thinks you do. How many seconds you're looking at a picture or video? What? Yeah. yeah. So it's how? Oh man, the places that it's pushing the country people everything population all that stuff like it, the way it's pushing i think it's going downhill and it's going downhill fast i i yes i agree but the world has been in far worse places mm-hmm. like in, in the past when you like like we i think like we get yes the world today uh, social media <sighs> covid governments it's all super frustrating and everybody thinks there's about to be another war mm-hmm. and we we i've even got on the, the bandwagon of looking at how bad today really is for okay religious freedom or capitalism or whatever you believe it doesn't matter um but then we look at in the 1300s in the uk when black death occurred and a third of the population died like we're not going to the black death that's good i mean we could probably use another pandemic because we need more people to die mm-hmm. i mean to be honest i know that's not a popular opinion but fucking like fucking scientists man <laughs> damn what do you call them like a long life longevity yeah. they're increasing that but it's that's a terrible thing to say but <laughs> but when you look at world shit. population and resources we are headed for a terrible track and these type of pandemics, even though there have been hundreds of thousands of people who have died, mm-hmm. um, whether it's from COVID or the flu or whatever, they're actually sad to say good for the, for the world mm-hmm. because we have 9 billion people on the world right now and not enough resources, even water sometimes to go to get by. So like the lessening of population is going to benefit the population more in the long run. Yeah. Like everything's going to be safe. Yeah. About it's a really really it's sketch but it's a and i'm not saying i like it necessarily oh, i can't wait for peyton more. <laughs> so if you heard this thing that the world kind of goes through i think it's like a hundred year cycle or so hundred year cycle for major uh, pandemics and 50 yes, year cycles for minor yes. yeah like back in like 1918 was the last mm-hmm. pandemic that we had so flu. maybe it's the earth's way of population control like you said there's too many people here every hundred years is a new cycle yeah. So it's this one. Okay, so so then the, the next thing that people usually jump to is well, then why does God create death? Mm-hmm. What do you think? It's fucking awesome, man. It's <laughs> have you ever have you ever done TMT? TMT? D, no DMT. Because <laughs> we talk, we're, we're talking about TMT or DMT. You've done team DMT? No, I haven't done DMT. I will do DMT. Yeah. Can I watch? I'd love to. Yeah, fuck yeah, watch. That'd be awesome. <laughs> this is when Mike died <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Dude, that'd be, that'd be actually really fun. I'll camera set up for you. I am, completely, I am completely for... Um, <clears throat> I am completely for... Uh, so I don't know what the fuck went like company or something in this was saying about drugs, like microdosing and everything. Mm-hmm. Like trimming. Yeah. We talked about this before. It's very good for your brain. Yeah. Okay, so... So thinking about like uh, microdosing and everything, like DMT, like it's, you know, it's just another hallucinogen, if you will, but they're really doing studies. They're finally opening up and legalizing things to do a bunch of studies. Uh, there we go. 
<laughs> the mic is on the side, not top. I like it. Uh, There's gonna be a lot of editing. <laughs> sorry, <guys. laughs> you're good. It's fine. <laughs> it's gonna go more and more as I drink more and more. I like it. Let's go. Uh, so, all right. So, with microdosing mushrooms, psilocybin mm-hmm. specifically, um, they've. I'm, I'm so, and I can't wait to read all that I can about the research that they've done from microdosing and actually taking, you know, heavy doses of psilocybin and mm-hmm. what it does to the brain and stuff, but. The coolest thing, what you're talking about earlier about the neuroplasticity kind of stops at a certain point mm-hmm. and you can't really learn too much more. You learn new things, but the the forming of it, mm-hmm. I have no idea what else it goes into. But the microdosing of psilocybin uh, actually brings that back, yep. brings back neuroplasticity and starts working. And I've confirmed stuff. that with multiple research, research oh, at this point. Yes. Dr. Swagger on the podcast and Dr. Silverstein both concur. That's so awesome. So I gave that example when we were having dinner a while back where um, – so so north of 26 we talk about that neuro rigidity starts occurring more of mm. and you know we have buffalo creek behind me it's a creek it's got one spot there's a little bit of water in it but the wall the walls are high that's neuro neuro rigidity it's not mm. going anywhere right yeah um until a flood occurs like we've had 10 inches of rain when flooding occurs it goes past the walls and starts getting in, getting to other parts of the area that's what happens in our brain when, when you actually start doing things like lsd and microdosing on shrooms mm. the Again, north of 26, because of neurorigidity, you start doing um, these type of hallucinogens and you're able to think like if, if your thoughts were water and you start doing microdosing and LSD, the water overflows past the walls of your neuron. Like if neurons could create walls, which is basically what neurorigidity is. Mm-hmm. If neurons could create walls, then the water, your thoughts go above it and are able to think in different ways and perspectives. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of issues happen with Christians and religion is perspective. They've gotten too set in their ways and not realize, Hey, like we're called to do one thing and that's love. And they don't do enough drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I don't know, man. Fucking wine and crackers. Bullshit. I don't know what the hell that is. Yo, give me a charcuterie board. No. <laughs> charcuterie board with some wine. It, it's kind of my thing. I don't know why. I'll believe whatever you tell me, me after a, that. I don't care. Just cat. Do it <laughs> Let's get him drunk and give him some carbs. Let's do this shit. <laughs> no, bro. Like wine and like cheese is oh, so good. Oh, that's... So yeah, you can talk about wine and crackers all day, but that's kind of my go-to. That and a little bit of scotch. Yeah, a little scotch. A little scotch. A little, little, little pinch. I love it though. I mean, what have, so I've done it. I've done it a few times before. Uh, the microdosing and kind of what it feels like. <sighs> yeah, tell and, me what, what was that like? I felt. Could you feel the water overflowing? Yeah, dude. Uh, you get different different ideas. It's like your anxiety goes away. That subliminal, subliminal subconscious uh, anxiety. You don't know it's there, but all of a sudden, whenever it's not there, you realize, holy shit, it's not here. Wait, so so if your thoughts are stuck in a ravine like a creek, right? Yeah. And you have only one way of thinking about something. Mm-hmm. And then we know that the water overflows when you do your thoughts overflow and can look at different perspectives when you do shrooms and lsd does that mean your anxiety is based on a certain perspective that you have Mm -hmm. like a fear kind of thing yeah whatever perspective it could be it could be from trauma it could be from a view you have on anything abortion uh the president politics Uh, sometimes perspective is what causes anxiety and i wonder if like what dr mark swagger was saying that sometimes um, it takes years of talk therapy to get past something, but what they're finding in the research is that when you do things like LSD or shrooms, it's like a two hours and mm-hmm. you have the same effect as years of talk research, which I wonder if it's because of perspective. 
And that seems like to be the big, to be the biggest issue in our world today is lack of perspective or seeing from a different angle. Because mm-hmm. if you could see from another person's angle or thoughts, it would change everything. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we? Why don't we want to see from a different angle? Why is it so hard with with people? Fear, worldview, like yes. we talked about before. Yep. We don't want our worldview to be screwed with because we have one idea of of how do we buffer death from death. But if we just kind of take out the minimum of death and being worried about death, then it kind of fixes some things. And for me, the only thing that works in understanding and getting past death is what I talked about earlier. Like, I know there's higher power. I know from the evidence that seems to be Jesus. And I know that for sure. That's, mm-hmm. that's probably who I'll die on uh, from the research I've done. And that's literally the only thing that actually makes your life flourish. Gets rid of If we could tap into what we've actually been given, gets rid of worry. You love everyone and you see from perspective. Mm-hmm. If you can do those three, three things and, you know, not worry about death, like think about how amazing your life would be. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. Because we've narrowed it down to those things. Death, perspective, anxiety, mm-hmm. worldview. The only thing that I've seen that fixes those is the right concept of what Jesus did. Do you think that there would still be a huge difference in opinion? Obviously, all of the different religions and everything. Say everybody microdoses. We're all filling our our ravines and everything. We're overflowing everything. Do you think it would lead to a certain spot, one way of believing kind of thing? Like they're, you know, specific God, specific this or that. Or do you think it would really change people's directions in every way? Do you think something would go towards one general direction? Or do you think it would spread us out even further and mm. get us on a completely new a good question. You know, web? Like a mix master kind of thing. I know that I, I believe there's a thread of his of a higher powers footprint in everything we do. And from my from my perspective, that footprint is Jesus. And the only thing the only so what sets what Jesus did aside from every other religion is that I don't have to do anything to be okay with him. Mm-hmm. That's so I think that if we open our perspectives and could get out of what religion, no matter what religion you believe in, if we could get out of that and see from every perspective, we'd actually all be able to see like, okay, like there is a higher power. Um, but the only, the only thing that works is when we take the power away from humanity control Mm -hmm. works because every religion had, you have to have a set of laws to be able to be in good standing with their higher deity, every religion, but what the true Christianity is supposed to be. So it's either every other religion is spot on, and Christianity is false and there is no Jesus and there is nothing of that or there's only one and that's Jesus I think it's all like a different amalgamation different perspective and it's kind of storytelling all the way to it but it gets kind of kind of close to like everything's kind of close together religion wise uh, give me an example there's a higher power at everything and do with uh, different spots of the world different beliefs different perspectives different um uh, experiences they of course everything is going to change it's like playing telephone uh, so that around the world each single person hears something from the next learns it while growing up from their experiences and says it a little bit differently so this is how we've kind of spread out and this is how we have you know all the different ideas of religion or what's going to happen anything like that hmm. so, so you're saying could there be a multiple Jesus's ideas of Jesus I mean, maybe maybe there's just one one specific. Obviously, we're all going to find out what happens yeah. after we die. Hopefully, yeah. maybe we won't. It just goes yeah. black and nothing happens. Uh, but I don't know. Getting <laughs> yeah. that Annihil- wonder, annihilationism. It's yeah, a thing. I don't know. Just getting to that point. I wonder. I'm never. I'm never. I, I guess nobody can answer that question until we die. Yes, Peyton. <laughs> Get in the mic. Across the board with all religions, there. Better is. kiss that mic, girl. <laughs> 
there is a higher power, they all come together in the same belief that we're here to do good and love each other. And I feel like maybe there's somewhere that they could all meet in the middle. And those are the constants that remain the same among all of them. So maybe there's certain aspects that they're all correct in, in that sense. Well, the thing that you're thinking about is that every one of those is love every every the thread that you're that you're saying that connects everybody is love and it's kind of funny is that we know like okay again i'm taking it from my perspective how i viewed these questions and how i've processed these questions um by the way i love how like we can talk about this stuff and we're like still great friends strong work um (laughs) um, the thread that connects everything is love and what we know from even what scripture has said whether you believe scripture or not wisdom even a i guess can't i can't jump into wisdom ideas but um, the personification, the personification of love is God, mm-hmm. is Jesus. So, whether you believe that or not, I, I think it's kind of a moot point. I think that believing, for me, believing in Jesus is kind of like it's what all the evidence points to. Mm-hmm. Even when you uh, um, match that with other religions and other. <sighs> ideas yeah but no matter what you believe in it something's gonna happen in the end anyways so something's gonna be right right yeah yeah obviously and i think so many religions are so scared about what's gonna happen in the end that that's what destroys their worldview when somebody disagrees with you think about that it's death again do we go to heaven do we go to hell is there nothing is it annihilationism is it whatever so I found it interesting when you were talking about um, Christianity and everything at the beginning, where you said that Jesus came here for a point and we've kind of gone back to pre-Jesus coming back to earth and everything like that, where mm-hmm. it was this way or no way. And it's the old church becoming today's church. Correct. Yeah. And I just, something I've come across lately, I've, I've had it, I've found it hard to follow the Christian beliefs that I used to have, because I do feel like today's Christians have it wrong. We, my main belief system is we're here to love each other and care for each other. And with today's Christians going to church and things like that, I don't, I don't feel that love that I think Jesus came here to share. Mm -hmm. It's yes. Like you said, just, judgment but there are some like i i struggle so we're christians but i struggle with identifying with a lot of christians because of that mindset because i know i felt that same thing from other mm-hmm. christians so it's like I, how do you even how do you correlate that you know but you're absolutely right that that's a hill i die on so i think you can get caught in the weeds about all the, the rules and laws and frustrations with church when we're just kind of called to do one thing and that's just to love like love wherever they're at and like for me there are different levels of love like whenever we can understand where somebody's coming from and not love them like one of the things that we've been given as christians is um the love to be able to love with a god's love like if i love my wife with caleb's love it would actually be doing her a disservice because it's a human love but one of the things that we're taught is literally killing your eyes. Okay, not literally, not like plucking them out thing. But um, if I can, if I can like mask my human eyes and then tap into what's been given to me, because one of the other things we're taught is that like we're actually 
like heirs of a king. And knowing that I'm an heir as a king and that my wife is an heir as a queen, it's just like, it's like well, we've been given that power, but I haven't done anything to do it. Right. Which makes you want to just kind of love a lot more. Mm-hmm. So if I can just forget about my own human love, it's actually doing my wife an amazing favor because I can love her with the love of a being who created the universe and not a mere little POS me that is human and fails every day. So that's a whole other thing we can get on with like the we're here for a human experience and we are these souls that are this higher self in a way. So it's a whole other tree that we can go down <laughs> in my mind. I don't you're talking about higher self like what? Um like there is so Kiss that mic. The mic she doesn't have, she doesn't have this mic. on, so it's a little harder for her to hear. <laughs> so yeah. sure. God, it's quiet. <laughs> Whoa, that changes everything. <laughs> Headphones. Headphones. <clears throat> okay. So what I've kind of started to look into recently was more along the lines of we are these souls. We are these beings. Everything is energy. Um, and we're sent here for a human experience. And we get confined to this body and this brain that can only do so much and see things certain ways. It kind of restricts our, ourselves from being our true selves in a way. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And that's not heresy. You know what? In what a lot of churches say, you no. Know, like if you can forsake your human, your human face, like your human thoughts, like we've been we've been given something so powerful that we just choose not to tap into. Right. Because like we're either too insecure, too fearful, um, too many distractions. Like that's very that's just part of humanity. Like it's not condemnation for us not tapping into that. It's just like a part of the human human experience type of thing. Mm-hmm. So again, like you guys can love each other if y'all didn't love each other. Y'all could love each other a million times better if you just chose not to love each other. Right. But it's a little harder to understand. Like even I still struggle like, okay, what does that mean on a daily basis? How do I like not love my wife? How do I like forsake the love that I have for my wife? If I can forsake that and I actually tap into what's been given, I can love her a million times better. But it's very hard. And that's the time. I think that's what you're trying to get into. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like we're stuck in these brains that don't have the capacity to love and see the potential that we have within ourselves. But one day we will. One day, yes. One Correct. day. One, I'm going to be chilling with like, no, God. <laughs> but hey, check this out. Watch what I did. <laughs> this is the question that you had. This is actually what it means. And that's okay. Like, I don't have to know the answers now. I know my handful of hills I'm going to die on. I know ideas about things that I mm-hmm. have, but that's about it. And that's all I got to worry about. Y'all were talking about earlier on in the conversation about religion and all of that and how we're faced with death and our fear of death. Thanks daddy. (laughs) Fill the glass. (laughs) No, um, actually myself, personal experience, I have always had this fear of death and it's kind of funny because work DMS worked in a level one trauma center was faced with it day in and day out and was kind of like facing my own fear in a way. And it was more or less like this question for me of what happens 
afterlife. And I grew up going to church, even still today, I go to church every now and then. But for me, with the way religion is now, where religion is now, it feels so fear based. So I feel like that was part of my underlying fear like, oh, if I don't live this way, then I'm not going to get the happy ending mm-hmm. once I pass. Um, actually, another thing, another Netflix series for you. That was like eye-opening for me in a way that kind of started this um, journey I've kind of been on was surviving death. Hmm. S- super interesting. Talking about NDEs, right? Say that again. Uh, NDEs, near-death experiences. Yes, yes, yeah. that's actually the first episode. Then the second and third episode kind of go into mediums, and it kind of gets wooey, and you kind of have to kind of push through that. And then um, then they go on to like signs from your loved ones, and then. The last episode is about um, actually a doctor that's a hospice doctor and he's doing studies like following his patients and their experiences and the things that they see once they're closer to death, their loved Mm. ones, their, Mm. how they're feeling about it. And it it appears that, you know, they initially go into hospice kind of scared and everything like that. And once it kind of gets closer to the end, they're seeing their husband that's passed. Pause. It's frozen. There we go. They're seeing their husband that's passed or their parents that have passed and they're no longer filled with this fear. They're filled with this excitement to get to the other side, to be with the loved ones that they've lost. So, yeah. And there's that common thread. There's a common thread through like, you know, uh, the, the, the Chinese cultures very about ancestors. Now, whether that's um, about whatever religion they believe, I don't know. Like, that's not a question I really care about to answer. It's not really that big of a deal. I know like, what all like i've come to all these conclusions even where you're at i've come to all these conclusions based on my own research and evidence i'm I'm just the way i think not everybody's gonna think about these and trying to answer these questions based on the way the same uh thought trends that i do some some people are gonna do it through experience some people are gonna do it through um feelings and that's fine i think these are all tools to use um but i think like from all the research i've done this seems to be the most area of flourishing Mm-hmm. so it's i don't know it's interesting it is and again like i love that we can talk about this like if yes. if i <laughs> if i get hate mail okay that's fine like, i'm oh it's whatever man like i have my perspective you guys have y'all's perspectives right and that's fine but we've actually come to a lot of similar perspectives that's true we have you, you know you come from point a i've come from point c or z mm-hmm. but again we're finding that money threshold of mm-hmm. hey like what's actually in society in the world in uh, everything that's bringing this together and this love Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Kind of weird to think about. It is. I, I thrive for these conversations. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> Why do you think I started? Why do you think I started a podcast? It's so fitting. <laughs> well, we're actually at an hour, over an hour and a half at this point. Any other questions? Anything or not? Any statements about any of this, Mike? Anything specific? No. Not whatever. There's been a lot of juices flowing in the brain at this point. A lot of it, man. It's so crazy because before I believe, like, not not very religious in anything. You either you kind of have your beliefs and whatnot, but I've never driven towards one religion or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of pull away from it. Um, I think it's really cool. Just getting into everything, different perspectives for sure. I That's like what that. I want, man. I just want yeah. I y'all give me different perspectives on on a lot too. It's mm-hmm. I think everybody can learn from somebody else but they choose not to because it's they're afraid it's going to destroy the worldview mm-hmm. 
and that worldview just being destroyed is with that death anxiety that we're talking about. Because if you have zero worldview, then there's nothing to buffer you from death. So I've, I've, it's all just super interesting. I love how we started with your company and gone to EMS and the paramedic and the death and then religion and then God. It's great. Love it. That's how actual conversations happen. I love it. <laughs> um, well, Mike, Peyton, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Um, I loved hearing about your perspectives. Well, honestly, the initial reason why I wanted to have you on the show was to talk about your company. We did, mm-hmm. but we dove into death and religion. It was great because death needs to be talked about more. It needs to not be such a fear mongering thing. Absolutely. So thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Great conversation. Love the brain fluids pumping. Dude, you're so good at this. I've been felt so completely comfortable doing cool. this all the time. Well, again, it's conversation, right? I love Just conversation. It. Can we do a part two sometime? Dude, yes. 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 Believe me, because you I see you processing things. I see you asking the same questions that I'm trying to ask mm-hmm. and answer as well. So that brings for a really cool conversation. I feel like that's what we had here. Yeah. So. A little mix of perspectives, experiences, everything like that. Just been great. Thank you for coming on. Yes, sir. All right, bye.